Mark Latham joins us on a Friday morning. G'day, Mark. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, Marcus. Thanks for the chance to be on the show. Anytime. Uh, as always, um, I, I welcome you on this program, mate. Now, how did you go last night with all the thunder and lightning and, you know, the tornado warnings, for goodness sake? There was one, a twister in Armidale. I've got the, the video to prove it. Incredible. Well, I was in State Parliament House most of yesterday. You could see the rain was coming in, yeah. uh, torrential downpour. But I got home last night, uh, southwest Sydney, and uh, pretty good clear skies at the moment. Yeah. But the weather's very erratic, so that'll probably change. But, you know, Marcus, we've had everything in the last couple of years, so why not tornadoes? You know, we're going to have to get used to unpredictability. Very true. And uh, the, the warning is that this could well be the theme of, of summer with the weather patterns at the moment. We just need to be storm aware and be ready. Make sure you're batting down things at home that could... <laughs> it does get wild. I can say a fortnight ago we were hit by a lightning strike. It hit the cover we have over our pool filter Wow! Really? and propelled, I had a sort of a stone block on there to hold down the cover and it propelled the stone block into the swimming pool. Scary so stuff. This was about three o'clock in the morning mm. and uh, actually my sons got up and thought that our courtyard was on fire and, I, and they told me this the next morning, I was like, oh, you're exaggerating, it's hit a tree up the road. No, mm. it hit right near our house. So yeah, I suppose you've got to be careful in the summer with lightning strikes, you should take the necessary precautions. No, absolutely, mate. All right, well, let's have a look at uh, a couple of things. Uh, it hasn't been announced officially by the new Premier, Dominic Perrottet, but it looks like regional travel is still off the cards, uh, with vaccination rates still not quite where they should be, um, particularly up in the northern rivers and the north coast. Uh, I mean, my thoughts on this are that I don't understand why they can't open regional areas with a vaccination rate that's on par with what they promised. I mean, the, the goalposts, again, have been shifted. Uh, small businesses that were preparing in regional areas like Mudgee and elsewhere to welcome visitors come Monday will now have to wait an extra week at the least. And, and families still not able to reconnect from Sydney and, re and regional uh, New South Wales. I mean, the whole thing is just, uh, I don't know, what's next, Mark? Well, it's very hard to understand the, the, what kind of logic they've got behind this decision. In the flurry of news about COVID, it's forgotten that in August, Gladys Berejiklian signed up New South Wales to a national agreement to open up at 70%. So you'd think as we steam towards 80% full vaccination, Today, regional probably. travel would be possible. And if it's only under the current rules, the vaccinated who would be allowed to travel into the regions, what, what's, what's the issue here? What's the issue particularly in regions that have got uh, zero or very low COVID numbers. So if vaccination was the goal, why wouldn't the vaccinated be able to travel into the regions? No, that's a really good point. And a lot of people are pretty annoyed about it. Those in particular that were, were looking forward to, you know, welcoming family members and reconnecting, uh, for goodness sake. Anyway, we'll, we'll see what uh, the official announcement is, but that's, that's the word. Uh, the National Party's net zero, uh, electrical, electric vehicles, all the rest of it, um, has been a lot of uh, about faces this week. Uh, even News Corp are running a, a campaign uh, talking about hydrogen and net zero for 2050, etc. Uh, that took me by surprise. Well, I suppose so. But, you know, I think the biggest uh, development here is the possibility of the coalition in, in Canberra fracturing, that there are clearly National Party members like Matt Canavan and if you listen to his past rhetoric, Barnaby Joyce, who would yeah. never, ever sign up to net zero 2050 because of the damage to agriculture and mining and other industries uh, in country districts. So 
uh, you might find here that uh, the National Party meeting on Sunday, there could be a push to break their coalition with the Liberal Party and fracture the Morrison government. So um, they can make their own decision. But boy, Marcus, you've only got to look at Europe and China, mm. where they're going through an energy crisis, to think all this talk about where international investment will go. If Australia had the most reliable, affordable electricity in the world, that would be a huge economic competitive advantage for us in attracting manufacturing investment in particular. So just because other parts of the world have done something, and in China and Europe, um, some of these energy changes have been a complete disaster, and they're scrambling to get the coal and baseload power back online, Mm. Australia can stand out uh, as a place where if you invest here for manufacturing, you know that we'll keep the lights on. But you know, the herd mentality, they're wanting to go to 100% renewable. Uh, look at Europe, where they've got soaring energy prices and everyone wants to get back into coal and nuclear to keep their lights on. Yeah, the nuclear option, uh, that's something that I speak to your colleague uh, uh, Malcolm Roberts about. Uh, why is it there's still, there's still a hesitancy from all major political parties to explore this? I mean, we've, we're rich in uranium. Uh, we're even talking about, you know, powering submarines using nuclear energy, but we, we don't use it to, to power our cities. Well, some of these major parties, they're locked into 1970s thinking. And they haven't come up to date with the small modular reactor technology. Boris Johnson now, because of the European energy crisis, he's ordered 16 small modular reactors from Rolls-Royce. So uh, other countries are trying to uh, rebuild their nuclear power capacity. And even for Australia, if you separate out the issue about electricity, we need this industry now for the nuclear submarines, our national Security. So next week in the state parliament, I'm uh, bringing back my bill to lift the New South Wales ban on nuclear and also uranium mining. And I'll be saying, well, look, even if you want to separate out the electricity issues, if New South Wales is to get any jobs, any jobs out of Australia having nuclear powered submarines, we need to have some form of nuclear expertise here, a workforce, capacity, and industry. So we would need kind of the submarine equivalent of what uh, Lucas Heights does for uh, nuclear medicine. Very true. Uh, Look, terminally ill people are now a step closer to being given the choice to die with a bill to legalise euthanasia. euthanasia Introduced to New South Wales Parliament yesterday. I've spoken to Alex Greenwich about this. I think it's a good bill. Look, I know you you get to vote on your conscience, but and I won't, uh, you know, I won't invade your privacy on asking which way you'll go. But what do you make of the whole situation? Well, I'll be reading the bill over the weekend. I've got it in my briefcase um, to have a look at it in detail because I haven't had a chance to read it with all the other work I've been doing. But I I, I worry about the the timing of it in that we've just been through this dreadful period of lockdowns, talk of a health crisis, a big effort to keep people alive. I'm not too sure it's the right time to have legislation for making it easier for people to die. So I just think the timing jars with me. But look, I'm going to have a look at the detail. I've got some scepticism about uh, the problem if you get a doctor death out there, what happens. So I am cautious about it. But, uh, you know, in all fairness, I'll read the legislation and then make a final decision. All right. And finally, uh, we lost, of course... An immortal, um, rugby league immortal, Norm Proven, has died at the age of 88. He won 10, count them, 10, and in a row, grand finals uh, with the big red V over his chest. Uh, Look, a sad day for rugby league. Uh, He lived a a very good life and a long life, and 
You know, I just I think he'll be forever remembered. Of course, he's been immortalised on the um, the NRL's statue as well. So. Yeah, well, I'm a lifelong Dragons supporter. I'm yes, just finished reading the first volume of the Dragons' centenary history, and there's a wonderful line in there, Marcus, where they say that, and, and you see some of the old footage, Norm Proven coming down the race at a suburban ground uh, <laughs> in the in the white uniform and the big red V. It was like a rugby league god was entering the arena. And He's a big in bloke. Book, <laughs> in, in, in this book, it says that for um, the home fans where the Dragons were the away team, the sight of Proven coming down leading the, the great Dragons team not only struck fear into their hearts, but also the bad news that the Dragons team bus hadn't got lost earlier that day and gone to the wrong ground. That actually turned <laughs> up, and you were probably going to cop a hiding. But that sight of Proven running down, such a, a big man, a magnificent yeah. player and a role model, a real man among men, uh, he was a great, you know. Um, uh, that was an amazing period, and we have lost one of the not only one of the greatest sports people in Australia, but one of our greatest citizens. Yep, Rugby League's 13th immortal, and ironically, you, you say he was a, a giant of a man, in, and he was, you know, figuratively, and also uh, a physical beast. <laughs> but his nickname was Sticks, for goodness Yeah, sake. so tall. I think he was 6'5", <laughs> oh, um, wow. and, and a, a, a player who would throw himself into the ruck yeah. and bruising in defence. Uh, <laughs> he was almost indestructible, clean mm-hmm. living, fit, you know, the Dragons had a fitness edge and he drove that, you know, he was a real um, moderniser yeah. in the game in the, in the 50s and 60s and, um, and, and someone who, I've spoken to some of the old Dragons, I'm privileged to know a few of the players from that era still alive mm-hmm. and they say that when Norm walked into the dressing room, everything went quiet and everyone just listened, you know, everyone truly, really respected him and any suggestion of some of the nonsense they get up to these days, not with Norm Proven. Nope, nope, different era, uh, and he'll never be forgotten. Mark, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, I appreciate it. We'll catch up with you again next week. Thank you. There he is, One Nation's Mark Latham. Marcus Paul has Sydney talking.